Shabbat Shalom. Beloved, let's pray. Abba Father, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's your plan that prevails. We ask you to make your purpose reign in our life as we live out a life of Torah, to live in one covenant with you. We pray that these days leading to Shavuot have enabled us to draw near to you as you have drawn near to us and that we will trust you and not lean to our own understanding. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Beloved, today I want to talk to you about the life of Torah. Um, I need you to bear with me because um, my printer ran out of ink when I was uh, printing the last two uh, paragraphs. And um, Natalie helped me print it somehow, so um, <laughs> please bear with me. Um, I want to thank Rabbi for the opportunity uh, to stand before God's people. Um, it's always an honor to stand before you guys. No matter how many times I get up here, there is a sense of fear because you are standing in front of God's people. Amen. Beloved, like I said, I'll be talking to you today about a life of Torah. What is Torah? The Hebrew equivalent can be best translated as instructions. In other words, Torah is God's instructions for his people. Torah is God's gift to us as our instruction manual on how to navigate through life, through life's path of godliness. It consists of the first five books of the Bible, which serves as a revelation of God or the knowledge of God. In fact, Torah is the foundation of the Bible as all of the other books of the Bible stands on it. As a result, Torah is considered to be the most important way to worship God. Psalms 1, 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Beloved, the Torah is such an important commandment. We recite it every Shabbat as part of the Shema prayers. Hence the reason when he shows ask, what is the greatest commandment? He replied by quoting from the Shema. Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. In addition, Hosea 3.6 goes on to say, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected Torah, because you have rejected knowledge, since you have forgotten the Torah of God. Torah impacts our knowledge of who it is 
we are worshiping and allow us to know God. Remember, God reveals himself to us through his word. He wants us to put his Torah within us and write it on our heart so it can be written on our mind. I'm going to butcher that. The Villian Gasson, I tried, 18th century, writes that if a person has a good heart, the Torah will make him a better person. However, if his character is flawed, his knowledge could have the opposite effect and make him worse. For he will use his knowledge to justify any and everything. Scripture states that Moses was given the Torah on Shavuot. However, every day can become a day of receiving the Torah. As receiving the Torah depends solely on our wanting to change our character. We need to realize our life is an undeserved gift given to us by God. Instead, we enclosed ourselves with an ego and easily offended bubble, thereby preventing God from penetrating our heart through his Torah. Beloved, we live in a world where we live life by our own design of proof and evidence. Meaning, as humans, we analyze and rationalize everything. And if we can't, then we don't believe it works. The truth is, how long are we going to tolerate such lies? For the truth don't stop being true because we don't believe it. We long to be Christ-like, but we don't want to become selfless. For becoming selfless puts us under authority, not in authority, and being under authority means making ourselves available to corrections. And beloved, this is what Torah does. You see, we like being in charge to call our own shots and to be the boss. So much so that when we can't have our own way, we become childish and rebellious. We entertain a lifestyle like the majority of running from synagogue to synagogue, searching for that one place where we can have some sort of authority or be recognized. We fail to realize that when we are running from something, what drives us is not what we are running from, but what we are running to. We live in a time where we have yet to understand Torah is God's way of discipline and parenting us while loving us. Therefore, as believers, Torah makes us change our perspective and show, show, uh, show us our hypocrisy in his show. It enables us to be a light to the world by being different. But to be different, we are to live in the spirit, not the flesh, and to submit to spiritual authority. For that sole reason, a life of Torah puts us under authority and expects progress, not perfection, 
for the best of men is not perfect. Beloved, the struggles are real, and so are the blessings. We spend more time pleasing God instead of trusting God. And so we live a life of fear. You see, fear looks back, but Torah looks up. For if there is fear in our future, then there won't be any power in our present. Because Torah is not the suspension of man's law, but the operation of a higher law given to us by God. Psalms 23, 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalms 27, 1 to 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war shall rise against me, in this I will be confident. Amen. Beloved, Today, this world has become an expert at manipulating the language of Scripture, thereby claiming Torah was a thing of the past, and it failed. No, we failed. For God can do everything but fail. Understand, receiving the Torah was not meant to be a collective but an individual experience. Hence the reason Torah was given not to necessarily convict us, but to keep us humble individually. You see, a life of Torah adds fulfillment, gratitude, and power to our life. It enables God to see his nature in us. For God cares about our heart and character individually. Therefore, he purposely created us, not clone us, so as to individually use our brokenness as his resources. Because the brokenness in our life is what attracts God to us. In Genesis, we are told God called out to Adam, Adam, where are you? In other words, he went looking for Adam. You see, 
Adam no more reflected Torah. And so God could no longer see himself in Adam. Man, I want to apologize. In no way am I, am I trying to take a cheap shot at you guys. But it's your responsibility to lead your family spiritually into living a life of Torah. Man, that's what we are supposed to do. Lead the family. Stop being cowards by hiding behind your wife. No wonder in Genesis, even if Eve sinned and suffered the consequences of her sin, God still held Adam responsible. Why? Because Torah adds accountability to us men by holding us responsible for the family God has entrusted to us. I was once told the value of something is determined by what you are willing to pay for it. So true. Likewise, the same holds true to our life. To me, Torah is like a river. We can hold on and go all the way to the ocean. Or we can get off at different points of the riverbank and not reach the full potential of the life God has chosen for us. As a result, we fall short of his blessings because we rather skip the process and move straight to the blessings. We prefer to bag in for our blessings, not realizing God's economy doesn't work that way. God is a God of principle. He created us to look upwards and inwards, but instead we spend more time looking outwards. Hence the reason we are so busy being so many things to so many people thereby causing us to lose our focus of Torah along the way. We become obsessed with what the world thinks about us and lose sight of what God thinks about us. We live a life similar to Lord's wife. In other words, walking one way, looking the opposite way. We have a change of behavior, but not a change of heart. We have so much pride, but no morals. We sell our souls by becoming slaves to every fashion and wonder why. We are yet to get a true revelation of who God truly is. Then to top it off, we make our way look like God's way by saying, God told me. No, he didn't. This, my beloved, Torah refers to as hypocrites. And it's time for a fresh encounter with God. Amen. We all have heard the story of the Israelites' passage through the wilderness as they journeyed through the promised land. Along the way, they were faced with trials and challenges which taught them important, timeless lessons as they pushed towards their ultimate destination. The truth is, 
While it may be necessary to pass through life wilderness experience, God gave us Torah as our way out. For some, Torah was certainly the starting point. To others, Torah enables the level of faith to be spiritually challenged as untried faith is unreliable faith. As for me, the wilderness was the epic of my life, which brought me to Torah. For it was in the wilderness that I began to realize how many of Adonai's signs and warnings I chose to ignore along the way. I failed to stop at the red lights and forgot to proceed with caution at the yellow lights. I realized I drove right past my exit. But just like the highways, Torah teaches us when we miss our exit, we simply just have to take the next exit. It will turn us around and get us right back to where we were supposed to be. You know, we got to be careful sometimes what we wish for. The last time I was before you, I said, Lord, if it is your desire, then I will say how I accepted his shore into my life. And like I said, we've got to be careful. Not even a day later, I was told I got to come back up here. <laughs> and so, like I always do, I run to God and cry to him. I do that good. I went to him and said, Lord, Lord, please get me out of that. You know I don't like going before these people. And he reminded me of my words. If it is your will. So here I am. Then I found out that, okay, Rabbi was not going to be here and whatnot. But then during the week, my wife told me that uh, there's a change in plans and Rabbi will be in town. I immediately pulled out my cell phone and texted him. Hey, Rabbi, you're going to be in town, so you're going to do the sermon, right? So I could get off the hook. The answer was no. <laughs> so that's why I'm here. I'll give you a fast, you know, and brief, you know, because I don't have time to get into everything. Um, like I told you the last time, when I was about 10 years old, pushing on 11, my dad passed. And my dad and I had a strong bond. I have four sisters. I'm the only boy. And my dad and I connected real strongly. And when he died... A sudden, you know, it took a toll on me. I was raised Catholic, and, you know, it just took a toll on me. Two years later, my mom ended up remarrying. But for some reason, I felt this guy, in fact, nobody was good enough for my mom. So immediately, I went on the defensive, and I put up a wall. And all through my life, I never really accepted him because to me, he could not replace my dad for my mom. You know, he wasn't 
good enough for my mom. And so I live my life that way. I live my life, like I told you guys, because of that rebellious, dangerous, you know, that's how I live my life, trial and error. But I didn't live a life of Torah, none of that. But then somewhere along, during high school, I met Filiana. You know, we met at high school and whatnot. Filiana always had this, you know, she always had this thing in her that I never understood, but I always wanted, but I never understood it. And so I remember every time I would try to, you know, talk to her, you know, and stuff like that. She had this small black Bible she would put in front of me and she'd say, God loves you. You know God loves you? And I'd tell her, I don't want to talk about God. You know, that's, what, that's not what I want to talk about. And so, <laughs> I live my life, like I said, recklessly. In the meantime, my sister, my last sister, the two of us, we got really close, and we were really, really close, tight, you know, only to find out that she was born with a disease called neurofibromatosis. And it's a disease where your hormones, all they know how to do is produce tumors. And all her life, all she had was tumors all in her body, in her head alone, she had 14, you know, and that's all her body did. Until, well, finally, you know, taking her to all doctors and everything, the doctor said, that is it. She's going to pass. Um, there's nothing they could do and whatnot. So I went to God. I said, God, you took my dad. Please, please, let's make a deal. Let my sister leave. I didn't know any better. I didn't know you could make deals with God. I didn't know any better. And then... I said, God, if you allow my sister to leave, I will go to church. I will do what Filiana does. But you know what? God knows our heart. Even if, you know, he knew inside of me I wouldn't. I was saying it because of the position I was in. I didn't want to lose my sister. But finally it came down to I lost my sister. She passed. And so when she did, that was it for me. I didn't want to hear about God. I didn't want you to talk to me about God. I wanted nothing to do with God. And so what I would do when Filiano would try, you know, to tell the kids about God and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, they would be worshiping God and whatnot, I would interrupt it the best I could. You know, I had this boombox. Sometimes if they're in the living room, I'll take the boombox, place it in the living room, and turn up the music to interrupt them. But throughout doing that, I realized Filiana never got upset. And that upset me. <laughs> you know, because here I am trying to prevent her from telling the kids about God. And she would just calmly take her Bible, close it, let the kids go to their room. She go, you know, go into the room. And one day I sneak into the room. I saw she had that same Bible on the bed still reading. You know. So it's like my plan never worked. So one day I said to her, I said, look, you have a piece about you. I want. She said you could get it. 
The only way you could get it is through here. I said, I don't want it that way. I just want to get it. But I never followed through. And so I continue, continuously live my life recklessly. Filiana kept, you know, doing what she had to do, you know, and stuff. Until one day, I woke up. And the world I had created, and like I said, I had created, collapsed. Instantly. I woke up. Everything was gone. The sports car, I saw the bank have it, repossessing it. Everything collapsed. And there was nothing I could do. Nothing. Absolutely nothing I could do while my life just started going downhill. Everything I created collapsed. And so I tried and tried, but nothing worked. That went on for about two years. Filiana kept, at that time, Filiana was coming here to the synagogue. I wasn't part of it. She took the kids. They would come, you know, every Saturday, Shabbat, come here. Filiana would sometimes ask me, come, let's go with me. I said, nope, 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 nope. Filiana got to a point where she wouldn't ask. Because, like I said, you couldn't tell me about God. You had to stay about five miles to tell me about God. And even then, you wasn't safe. So anyway, that continued. And it got to a point one Saturday morning. I was on my laptop. All of a sudden, I got the screen of death. The laptop just died. No matter what I did, I couldn't do anything. But at the same time, as soon as that happened, here comes my daughter, Helene. And she came running up to me and she said, Daddy, can you please come to synagogue with us today? And if you don't like it, you never have to come again. But can't you just come, just today? Not knowing that Helene had already, in her class with myself, prayed the week before that with myself, telling God, allow her dad to come to synagogue. So anyway, I looked at her, I said, you know what I call a cookie? I said, cookie, just for you. I'll go. Just for you. I walk into the bedroom, I said, Filiana, don't think you won. I'm not doing this for you. You know, I said, I'm doing this for Helene. I'm not doing this for you. But Filiana could care less. She had a big old smile on her face. She could care less. So all the way, driving here, we pull up in the parking lot. I'm still telling her, I'm telling you, you know how we men are, we have this ego. You didn't win. I am here because of Olin. It has none to do with you. But Filiana could care less. She just kept walking. You know, all happy. You know. I came through. I opened up these double doors. Beloved. As soon as I opened up these double doors, I walked through. It's like a weight I was carrying immediately came off. And so I continued in, and I went and sit right in the corner where we always sat. And all for service, I was lost. I have no idea. I cannot remember the service. 
I cannot remember one word that was spoken. What I do remember is I was standing up here and I stretched out my hands to Rabbi. And when his hands made connection with mine, the only way I could describe it on a cold day when you go and touch the doorknob of your car, you get a static shock. This is what I felt when Rabbi held onto my hand to shake it. I immediately tried to pull it, but Rabbi had such a tight grip on my hand. <laughs> I couldn't pull it, you know. Then when he finally released my hand, I walked back to my seat and I said to Filiana, what happened? She said, baby, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Big old smile again. And I kept telling her, what happened? Why did I go up there? Why was I up there? She said, don't worry about it. I went home and I said to Filiana, I said, look, I am going back there. And ever since, beloved, I have never turned back. The one thing I could tell you, I cannot promise you that my life was all peaceful. No. It was peaceful. I don't know if peaceful is the right word. There were still storms in my life. There were still things that God had to win me off. And that became painful. Because anytime God is trying to win you off something, it's a painful procedure. And beloved, he's still winning me. Up to this day, he's still. I think I'm one of the most difficult ones that he ever had. But like I said to people, if God could change me, he could change anyone. Anyone, he could change them. Anyway. Beloved, God gave us free will to choose as our heart so desired. He also knew we would not always make the best decisions for our soul and that we would live a life of absolute loss of dignity. So he gave us Torah as our blueprint to live in life. Then sent his son as our living Torah to teach us his way. John 14, 6. He sure said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's as simple as it gets. One way, one truth, one life. Simple. Yet there are many who still strongly believe there are several ways to God. Matthew 7, 14 through 14. Go in through the narrow gate, for the gate that leads to destruction is wide, and the road broad, and many travel it, but it is a narrow gate and a hard road that leads to life, and only, only a few find it. Then verse 15 goes on to say, beware of false prophets. 
They come to you wearing sheep clothing, but underneath they are hungry wolves. That is to say, there are many false teachings out there that use the Bible to manipulate our soul. Understand, he showed dying on the cross was not meant to take away Torah. For Torah is a gift, not for a single moment, but for a lifetime of journey of continuous hard work. As believers, we claim to have contentment in Yeshua, but are yet satisfied with the brokenness around us. We are so caught up in the legalism of religion that we often replace Torah with religion. Let's for a minute dissect the two. Religion gives ideas. Torah gives wisdom. Religion investigates. Torah interprets. Religion deals with earthly powers. Torah deals with values. That, beloved, is the distinction between religion and Torah. You see, the two are rivals and are not complementary. I believe sometimes God allows certain situations in our life because he wants us to let go. Let go of religion, of a friendship, the love for money, or the need to always be in authority. We get so consumed by the above that we fail to recognize whatever consumes us will eventually control us and blindfold us towards the things in our life that God has already provided. Please realize it is difficult to pass through a turnstile with lots of baggage. As a result, Torah is meant to sift us before we get to the turnstile. For as believers, we sometimes have Torah intentions, but having intentions is not enough. Living a life of Torah is what's required. I hate to close on a negative note, but beloved, if you aren't living a Torah-filled life, you have not yet invested into eternity. I know I cannot guarantee you a life of Torah will overnight take away your burdens or the storms in your life, but I can guarantee you, it will surely begin a life that God has ordered for you. Remember, we are not the sum of our weakness and failures. We are the sum of our Heavenly Father. For God ignores what our soul looks like to see what it is. As every soul is usable to Him. Let me ask you. If you had to redo your life, what would you do different? What would you change? Your past, maybe? Sorry.
Your past cannot be changed. But your future is changeable. Anytime and any place is the right place in the eyes of God. Don't join the crowd and believe Torah is outdated. Well, then, if it is, take a look around you and tell me if this new age way of living is working. Beloved, it's so exhausting trying to live a life outside of Torah. I've been there. I know. I've paid the price and count the cost. Please allow me to make a special plea to my boys, Brad and Chad, who are about to leave for college. Please, I'm begging you both to continue living a life of Torah. You see, I'm not just standing here telling you of something I heard about. I'm here talking to you from experience. Beloved, I'm here to tell you, I know somebody who knows somebody who can help you. His name is Hishoa. He is the living Torah given to us by God. Let's, let's, let's stop pursuing our worldly passions of titles, possessions, or even taking credit for what God is doing. Instead, let's all pursue a life of Torah. For our existence is not about us. It's all about God, our creator. Remember, we should always live our life like we are wounded. And Torah is our crutch. Beloved, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us Torah to teach us your way. We thank you for giving us a fresh encounter with you by sending us your son, Yeshua, as our living Torah. We declare our total dependence upon you as we take our stand against this world and all its lying ways. Father, renew our mind so we may understand your ways and your plans more fully. We pray this through his sure, who is our way, truth, and life. Amen.